after us, Lord God, even when we have run far from you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for uh, bridging the gap, Lord God, for crossing the distance, for being the bridge, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, for entering into this broken world and our broken lives to make us whole again. And every day with you, Jesus, is a new day. It's a new dawn. And we thank you for the opportunity that you present to us every time we turn to you and draw close to you. We thank you for what you have for us this morning, Jesus. We thank you for already stirring it up, Lord. We ask that you'd help us receive it, hear it, help us be sensitive to your voice and your spirit. Amen. All right, go ahead and take a seat. Yes. So the mixer question, uh, my answer was skiing the Alps. And I know it's, it's not usually in my top 10 list, but uh, we went skiing this week and I just thought, I've seen pictures, uh, that's all I've seen of the Alps, and it seems like there's these wide groomed uh, paths, and that's what I need at this stage in my skiing career. Um, so I grew up uh, skiing, I grew up in Las Vegas, which is shocking that there could even be skiing nearby, but there is, and um, so I grew up doing this and I loved it. And uh, my kids, unfortunately, didn't quite get that experience, and partly, be mostly because we were poor, and, uh, you know, when we were, the kids were little. You know, we just, I mean, skiing is extravagant. And uh, so we missed that early stage period. Parents, if you get a chance, get your kids started early. But we made up for some time, and we started taking them up, and my, my idea, like, economically, everything, like, whatever effort I could put into it, time-wise, everything was, like, once a year. I'm going to get them there once a year. And so we've been doing this for several years now, and it's been fantastic. Um, so this, this winter, uh, you know, the kids were home from town. We're in a different stage of life where the kids are away. Two of them are away to college. One of them is still at home. And so uh, the one that likes to ski, he came back, and there was a window of time when he was with us. And we're like, we got to go skiing. Let's do it. And well, what's been happening is the weather has just been like, you know, a big obstacle. And so we were waiting for this window of opportunity to potentially come, and um, it wasn't coming. And to be honest, you know, it, it's kind of a big job to go skiing. Uh, it's just, it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of, and sometimes, especially when the weather's like this, it's kind of like, eh, let's just skip it this year. It's so easy just to say that about things that maybe uh, are exciting and good, um, eh, too much, you know, too much effort, you know, because it's a day away from work, at least one day, and then what happens when you go away from work for a while? You come back and bam, it, it's still there, and it seems like it's exponentially grown, right? And we, we don't have snow vehicles, so I'm thinking, man, it's got to be like perfect conditions for us to go up there. I'm starting to make excuses to not go and to skip it, right? I'm being tempted to miss the target, which was once a year, it's a good target, get the kids up there, uh, do something with the boys. And um, so, but the window of opportunity came. It came uh, Wednesday night. Did you know this? It, it stopped. There was a break in the weather. And uh, Thursday, it was supposed to be sunny. And we're like, okay, let's go. Usually what we do is we go up after school and we spend the night and then we're there in the morning, we go skiing. Um, but this time, no, we couldn't even get up there in that weather at that point. So it was going to be an all-day trip. Get up at 6.30 in the morning and get up there all day, one day, come back. And I'm like, ah, that seems like a lot. You know, am I sure I want to do that? 
And, you know, we don't even know if we're going to be able to get there once we get there. So, you know, again, excuses, temptation to not do it. But I, I finally was like, we're going to do it. Boys, we're going tomorrow. Get ready to get up. They're excited. I'm excited. And we did it. And then that night, more temptation. You hear a repeated theme? We're going to talk about temptation today. Temptation to just stress and worry and fret. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And, you know, not sleep and not just enjoy it and let it be the gift that it's supposed to be, right? So there's that temptation. But I was on my game because the theme is temptation. I knew I was preaching on it, and I was, more, I was aware of that voice, you know, from the world, the flesh, the devil, wherever that voice is coming from, ah, you know, but what about, what about this, this? You know, trying to steal and rob and, and prevent you from doing this good thing. Um, so we, we, we didn't let that happen. We got up there, and it was glorious. It was the roads were clear. You know, we didn't have to have chains. The lift lines were super short. It was sunny. The snow was fresh. It was just one of those epic gift uh, ski days. I'm so thankful we did. But again, so many opportunities for that thing, that good thing, not an essential thing, obviously, you know, but that thing to get robbed and stolen. So that's what uh, the spiritual enemy, there's a, there's a spiritual force that is hostile to God and therefore hostile to you. And this spiritual force, Satan, the ancient serpent, the devil, that dread spirit, wants to work against you, steal your joy. The, the, the devil wants to do that. There, even our own propensity inside of us to bail, to take the easy way out, the, the flesh we call that, that tendency to just kind of do the wrong thing or do the easy thing, um, that's at work. And so is the world. There's just messages in the world that we get from other people, sometimes well-intentioned words that can kind of work against you as well. So we got these things that we got to struggle against to take hold of the good things that God has for us, uh, be it a ski trip or a good relationship or lots of things like that. So temptations can derail us. So we're going to look at that. Uh, we are in a new series called People of the Light. Uh, last week we looked at how people of the light were called through John the Baptist to be ready for the Lord. We focused on that. And John the Baptist, what did he do? What is he known for doing? Thank you. Good job. Yeah, it's right in the name. You're awake. Awesome. All right. He baptized people. That's what he was doing in the wilderness. That was a way for him to prepare people for the Lord. And then the Lord came. The Lord went out to the wilderness, to the Jordan, to where John the Baptist was baptizing. And we're going to pick it up there. It's in Luke. We're going through Luke in this series. So it's up here. It's in your bulletin. Follow along. Uh, Luke 3, 21, 22. Here we go. When all the people were being baptized, great crowd out there, called out by the Spirit, God's working through John the Baptist. When that was happening, Jesus was baptized too. And as Jesus was praying, as he was praying, heaven was open. It was split in some way. And the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus, on him, in bodily form like a dove, in a way that people could see or perceive. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Wow. You're in that crowd out there, that happens? Whoa. Who is this guy, right? What is happening here? 
What has happened? Let's, let's, let's go back into it and go slowly this time. As Jesus was praying, so as Jesus, the Son of God in the flesh, is praying, communing with God the Father, the Spirit, speaking to God, the Father and the Son, or the Spirit, while God the Son is doing that, something happens. Heaven opened or split. And we don't know, that's all the description we're given. But somehow this barrier that we experience in this world, this separation between the God realm and this earthly realm, sometimes it feels like a, just a, a fixed uh, barrier, right? Somehow that was split in this moment, showing us this, this union between heaven and earth, the way it's supposed to be, this shalom between the earthly realm and the God realm. All right, so heaven's open, and the Holy Spirit, God's powerful personal presence, the third person of the Trinity, God the Spirit comes and descends on Jesus in a significant, powerful way. All right, so the Spirit is now on Jesus. And then a voice, we got God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Father going on here that's saying, you are my son. That's who you are. Identity, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is God the Father's uh, relational attitude toward the Son. We're getting a glimpse into the Trinity here. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in this eternal relationship uh, filled with pleasing one another, uh, being well pleased with each other, with love, filled with love. All right, now what's going on this moment when you zoom out is Jesus from Nazareth is being anointed, set apart by God in a powerful way as the Messiah, the King, the promised one. He's being publicly identifying and affirmed as the one that Israel has been waiting for, the one that God has promised through the prophets again and again and again. It's happening. He's here. All right. So this is super exciting. All right. And, uh, you know... Let me just make a side note. Uh, Jesus was not baptized for his sin. Uh, he was tempted in every way but without sin. Jesus was baptized to identify himself with you and me, the ones he came to save and rescue. All right. Now, there's some parallels with what was going on with Jesus at that moment and our own baptism, all right, your baptism, my baptism. That, that baptism ritual where, whenever it happened to you, um, or maybe it's still a future event to you, uh, whenever that happened, what did it symbolize? We just talked about Jesus' baptism, what it symbolized. What did yours symbolize? It, it's a lot of things, right? It, it symbolized uh, you being uh, cleansed of your sins, you being called and set apart to God, you being immersed into the life of God, you dying to your sins that life lived apart from God and raise, rising up in a new life with God, filled with God. Uh, lots of things here. But the affirmation that comes uh, through that symbolic act is, is multi-layered. All right, we're going to look at some of the things that it affirms. So the father affirmed the son, you are my son, whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. Baptism, that step is a picture that affirms a spiritual reality that has happened to you already. 
What is that spiritual reality? Well, we're going to look at the list. Here it is. This is what uh, God affirms for you and me when you take that step. First of all, I was chosen and called by God. That's an affirmation pictured in that baptism thing. I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I am in right standing with God. I am united with the Lord. I was saved and adopted by God. This is public affirmation of what God has done for us, what God has spoken. These are God's words. You can look at all the references in your bulletin. This is God's word for those who have turned to him. Let's say it together and just see what the Spirit might highlight for you. There might be one here that God might be like, yeah, spend a little more time on that one, on God's word on you. So let's say it together. Here we go. I was chosen and called by God. I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I am in right standing with God. I am united with the Lord. I was saved and adopted by God at a great price. God filled me with the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you to hold on to that list. Maybe, again, there's one that's really, you know, being highlighted for you. Because this truth, this reality, this new thing that you are will be tested and tried and shaken in this world. By the world, by the flesh, by the devil. All right? It's it's not something that, oh, that's great. I got it. Now I'm going to live in a new way. No, it's going to be a fight. So Jesus, after this amazing anointing scene. I'm almost expecting him next scene to do what? What's he going to do? He's all, he's, he's, the, he's the man. Do miracles, go out, launch this thing. And, but it's weird because something else happens. Let's look at what happens next. Um, I'm going to skip ahead to verse 4-1. Luke 4-1 through 2. Jesus... Full of the Spirit. This is the next, the next line. Jesus, full of the Spirit, left the Jordan, where he's being baptized, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So further into the wilderness than they already were already. And for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Isn't that weird? Isn't that strange? He goes, he's led by whom? God's spirit. This is God's plan. This is, this is God's training. This is God's, he's, he wants to do something here in Jesus, but he also wants to do something for us to see as well, because Jesus later told his disciples, and they wrote down for us, it's in Matthew and Luke, so it's important. All right, so we're going to look at what that means. But before we go into that testing period with Jesus, let's go back to those affirmation statements. Here's a couple fill-ins for you. All right, back up, Adam. I'm going to go to that first fill-in, number one. First thing for us to know and to hold on to, because it will be tested and tried by this world, the flesh and the devil, is number one statement about Jesus. Jesus, anointed by the Father and the Spirit, is the unique Son of God sent as our King and Savior. That is the truth. That's the proclamation. That's the revelation. That's the the revelation we were given in that moment in the desert near the Jordan. All right, so hold on to that because that'll get tested and tried as you go through life this week. 
Next thing, let's capture what God has done for you and me. Um, if you believe that Jesus is that, this is what God's done for you. Number two, because of God's great love for you, he chose you, he cleansed you, and put you in right standing with God by Jesus' sacrifice, adopted you as his son or daughter, and filled you with his Holy Spirit. This is you now. If you turn to God, if, you, if you've put your faith in Jesus, this is who you are. Hold on to it, capture it, because again, it'll get tested. Uh, and sometimes you'll be led by God into a period of testing. God will allow it. Why is this hard? Why is this difficult? Why this trial, God? Well, maybe God wants to do something through it. He's still in charge. He's the king and savior. So I'm going to see what he has for me in this trial. All right. Next thing to remember, because of number two, you, brothers and sisters in Christ, you are secure in God. You are secure in him whatever comes Whatever rattles your cage this afternoon or this week, whatever low moment you're in, when you face death, we had a friend of a family friend who died just recently, passed through from this earth to the other side, and in that moment, they are secure in God. That's what you need. I need that security. You need that security because things will hit. And you'll realize, actually, this is the only security there is. This is Jesus, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is the only secure thing there is. So be attached to it. If you're wondering about this, if you're like, yeah, I don't think I'm in this. Uh, I'm curious. I want to know more. Please ask us afterward. Fill out your connection card. Uh, we want to help you sort this out. All right. Now, those are the, the grand truths. They will be tested Jesus right away, filled with this truth, filled with the Spirit, was led into a period of trial. Forty days, he was hungry. That's, that is the outer limit of what your physical body can endure. So Jesus in his human body is at his limit. All right. So let's see, in that moment of weakness, how Jesus is tempted. All right. Here we go. First one. Three rounds. First round. Four, three through four. The devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God. Isn't that an interesting phrase? So this enemy of God launches off, first of all, with what? Doubt. Question. What did God the Father just say, just demonstrate powerfully? You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And then there's this other voice, right? When Jesus is weak, if you are the son of God, if. That's what he'll do to you. We'll flesh it out. Uh, are you really? Is that really true? Is Jesus really that? Are you really? That'll come. And often it'll come when you are weak, when you are hungry, right? When you're the end of your resources. Now, here's the other thing. Sometimes it comes when you are at the top of your game, when you're successful, when things are good, the tempter will come. So just be ready. Temptation will come. All right. So here it is. If you are the son of God, do something. Tell this stone to become bread. 
If you are the son of God, prove it, show it, use that power to turn these stones into bread. Jesus is hungry. Jesus wants to do that. Jesus has maybe already thought of that on his own. But what led him into the wilderness in the first place? God. Why is he not eating? God. It's not spelled out. We could imply God has called him. God the Father says, period of the wilderness, period of fasting. So if, if Jesus does what he can do, turn those stones, remember he fed 5,000 not long after. If he turns the stone into bread, what's he going to be doing? Disobeying God. Yeah. Yeah. Satisfying that temporary, quick, desperate need. I feel it. I need it. I deserve it. I want it. Quick, quick fix. Disobeying God. Okay, there's the temptation. You, can you relate? Isn't this interesting? God comes in the flesh to go through temptation that you will experience, that I have experienced. Uh, and the temptation is this. Let's get it down. Number one, go after what you want instead of trusting and obeying God. Go after what you want instead of trusting and obeying God. Instead of denying yourself in that moment in order to obey God, right? What you want, what you feel you need, what others tell you you deserve, right? Even when it contradicts what God is saying, you want it, it's there, you can use your power to get it, you can use your resources to go after it, but there's this other voice saying no. It's tough, right? So many Different examples of this, right, uh, that come. Temptation to take a little more, to look a little longer, to take that little bit, uh, uh, just a little bit of what God said instead of doing what God said. Taking a little bit of revenge, speaking a little nasty word to somebody because it feels better instead of holding back and be like, no, I'm going to bless instead of curse. Uh, pursuing a relationship that eh, you want, it looks good, you're lonely, but God's like, nope, that one's not for you. Pursuing the exception over God's word is tough. That's the temptation. It's powerful, especially when you're hungry, you feel you deserve it, or it's reasonable, or other people are saying, why not? Hey, the temptation, it's big. So let's see what Jesus does in response to this. He's the example. He's our champion. Let's look at this. Jesus answered, it is written, it is written. Where's he going? Scripture. God's word. The word of God in the flesh is going to the word of God. Wow. All right. That's a cool resource. Jesus answered, it is written, man, mankind shall not live on bread alone. And then that's the shorter version of the fuller quote from Deuteronomy, also in Matthew. But on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You see the choice there? You and me, we are not made to live on bread alone. Physical, fleshly, temporary. But you and me were made to live on the word of God. It's essential 
for your life. You're an embodied soul. You need soul food. Your body, you know, you're going to have ups and downs with your body. All right? So the temptation here is to put your body's needs first. You know, that thing that looks good instead of God's word. It's a battle. You're probably thinking of some examples that you're in, we're in, or if not, get ready. It'll come this week. But you're going to be prepared. This is how you respond. Nope. I do not live on bread alone. This is not going to satisfy me short, in the short term, but God's word is what truly brings life. I'm going to choose that. That's where life is found. All right, it's going to involve some self-denial once in a while. It's going to involve uh, holding off on that first reaction, that first instinct, and tucking in with God, thinking about what he said, and living by that. All right, so that was round one. All right, done? Is he done? No, there's another round. Gee, he's got to go back in. All right, next one. This devil is persistent. Four, five through eight. The devil next led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. So this is probably some sort of vision uh, that Jesus got caught up in. God allow, God's allowing all this. It's happening. And he, the enemy, said to him, I will give you all their authority, all these kingdoms and splendor. Remember, who's Jesus? The Son of God, the King, right? So all these kingdoms, God the Son has come to rescue all people and nations, all these kingdoms, to bring them under the kingdom of God. So the devil's tempted him with this. He says, he showed him all these kingdoms of the world in an instant. I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will be yours. So Satan's saying, it's been given to me. Not entirely true, but there's some truth to that. Remember, that ancient serpent, the devil's a liar. All right? So uh, be aware of those lies. The world does belong to God, right? And God has allowed Satan some temporary authority, some temporary dominion. And how did Satan get that dominion and authority? What, what allowed that? Yeah, lied Adam and Eve, humanity way back. And what did Adam and Eve, Eve do, our ancient, his, our ancient ancestors? Said yes. We submitted ourselves to that ancient serpent, that dread spirit. Disobeyed God. We came under the authority of the spiritual enemy. We do that anytime we sin. We're bringing ourselves under the dominion of God's enemy. Anytime we sin, we're doing that. We're giving him a foothold. We're giving him some rule and reign in our life. Don't do it. I'm telling myself and us. All right. So there's some truth to this. Um, but what is the path for Jesus to legitimately come into that place of all authority in heaven and earth belonging to him? What's the path he has to walk? Yeah. Crucifixion, the cross. That's the path to enthronement. That's the path to breaking the power of death and sin and the enemy over people's lives and bringing people from all kingdoms into his kingdom. That's the path. What's, what's Satan offering here? Shortcut. Shortcut. Hey, just worship me. Man, Jesus knows where he's headed. He knows he's seen people crucified. He knows the horror, the terror, the humiliation, the, 
yuck of that experience. He knows the path. This is tempting, and he's weak. All right, let's see how he responds. Well, let's, let's get this temptation down. All right, temptation number two for Jesus, for you and me, choose the easy path instead of God's path. Choose the easy way. The wide road that leads to destruction. But it's wide. It's easy, right? <laughs> it's right there. It's well-traveled. Choose the easy path instead of God's path. Where in your life are you doing that? Where are you going the easy way instead of the hard way that Jesus is marking out for you that you can't see it yet, but it will lead to life? Will you trust that? Will you trust and obey and get yourself on that path and keep yourself on that path? That's the opportunity. The temptation, go this way. It's easier. Go the way of least resistance, the way that's more popular. Well, there's no friction. God doesn't operate that way. Because he wants to do something in you on that narrow path. God led Jesus into the wilderness to go through this trial, and it's going to strengthen him. He's going to come out strong on the other side. That's what God wants to do. Every trial is an opportunity for you to come out stronger. All right, there's a temptation. Let's see how Jesus responds, because we might need this. Here it is. Jesus answered the enemy. He said, it is written, once again, God's word. Ooh, there's something here, right? There's a pattern. This is important. Jesus answered. He starts quoting God's words in Deuteronomy again. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Don't serve other gods. Don't serve this, this, this satanic power here, this demon. Don't serve... No, don't, don't go after any other thing. Worship the Lord your God first and foremost. Keep God first. That's the number one commandment. Worship the Lord your God. He's the one. That's the aim. You know it. Now the challenge for us is to keep it number one as we go through our days. Because that's where life is. It's for your good. He loves us. This enemy does not. All right. So, Jesus... Another victory. Here we go. He puts God first. All right. Two for two. Let's go to round three. Four, nine through 12. The devil led him now to Jerusalem, probably in a vision again, uh, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. This very public spot. All right. If you are the son of God. There it is again. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, oh, wait, what? What's Satan doing here? Satan's using God's word, too. He knows it also. Mm. Be, be, he's crafty. For it is written, and this is a true quotation from a psalm, says, here it is, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift up you in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. It's a promise of God's protection. It's a promise of security in God. Be confident of that. But he's using it in what kind of way here? To what? A deceiving way. Yeah. Go do this reckless, absurd, crazy spectacle. Maybe to get people to worship you that way. There's a lot of layers here. Do that and watch. But don't worry. 
God will take care of you. God, God, God's got you. He loves you. Remember, he chose you. He called you. You're his son. You can do whatever you want. Here's the temptation, number three, for Jesus, for us, to test, and I'm going to add a couple here, blame or question God instead of trusting him. To test God. To test God. What, what's a way we might do that? Testing God's love by doing something stupid, by doing something sinful, by doing something you know you shouldn't do. It's reckless, I know, but God loves me. He'll take care of me. He'll protect me. Remember, he chose me. I'm a child of God, a friend of Christ. He's not going to let anything happen to me. We can get a little reckless with God's love. His love for you is reckless, but we can get a little reckless with it sometimes. We can kind of just take his grace and his love for granted and, and do foolish things. God won't really let anything really bad happen to me. It'll work out. All right. Other ways, other flavors of this, um, you know, people do reckless things and then they blame God for the consequences, right? I can't believe, man, if God loves me, why did he let that happen? Well, how did you get into that place in the first, how did you get there in the first place? Um, so that, that's, that's another way. We blame God and then question God, right? Let's, let's go beyond sinful reactions and, and foolishness. Let's go to just living this side of the curse, you know, until we get to heaven, things are going to be hard, right? Things are going to be hard this side of heaven. And sometimes when it hits, we start to question God. Is he really good? Does he really love me? You know, this thing I want is good. It's legitimate. Why don't I have a God? Where are you? Don't you care? The questioning of God. But God has been very clear with us. In this world, you'll have much trouble. Take heart. I've overcome the world. This light and momentary affliction that you're in, remember, it is light and momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory that is coming and is beyond comparison. Right, we are passing through this wilderness, and there's temptation to get off course, and there's pressure to do that. God's word, let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles us and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author, the one who started, and the perfecter, the one who will complete it, of our faith, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Isn't this wild? The one that we pray to, Lord Jesus, help me, is the one who walked it already. He understands. He's merciful. He's not way off there, distant. He's walked it, and he's shown us how to be faithful to God through it. And he wants to help you as well. So when temptation hits, and it'll come, let's remember a few things. I'm going to skip ahead to 1 Corinthians 10.13. Remember this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to mankind. This is the way it is this stage of the story. God is faithful. God is faithful. We're not. But God is faithful to you, committed to you. All right? God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. That is fantastic news. It may feel beyond your ability. You may feel like, you know, the, the, um, the shrouds, the shr I can't even talk. You may feel like I can't hold on any longer. 
right? But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. All right, what's the way of escape? What resources do you have? You've got some resources. Second to the last villain, you will be tested, but you can overcome it. You can overcome it. How? What resources do you have? Uh, what, what will help you find that way of escape to help you endure the temptation? Here it is. You have big stuff. You have God's spirit. God's spirit. God's presence with you in whatever you are in. God's powerful, personal presence with you. You have not If you don't, you're like, man, I, I think I need that. Uh, talk to the prayer team afterward. Let's, let's have that conversation. You have God's spirit. You have God's word. Man, Jesus was just firing off those words, man. It's like he knew it really well somehow. The word of God, speaking the word of God, in order to stand firm in that trial. You have the word of God. But we got to be in it, man. We have to have it in us. It's, it's like training. We just got to stay in God's word so that we're ready with it when the trial comes. You have God's spirit. You have his word. And you have his people. Look around you, brothers and sisters, to help lift you up when you're struggling. We have each other. We need each other. The enemy wants to isolate you in your struggle. Oh, you can't tell them that. Oh, don't bother them with that. Oh, you'll figure it out. No. Come to one another. People do it through, to me all the, during the week. I go to others during the week. We need each other. Use that resource. You have God's spirit, his word, his people to help you. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace to get up again when you've blown it. If you've blown it this last week, you have God's grace to get up again and overcome the next one. He's like, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Let's go. We got, I, I'm with you. We're going to do better this time. Let's stand and let's pray and let's lean into these resources together. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for uniting us with you. Thank you that we're not alone in our trials. You are right there with us. Your presence with your, with your word, your word of life to help us through it. Thank you, Lord, for surrounding us with your people uh, to encourage us and to help us identify what you're saying to us in those hard moments, Lord God. Lord, help us this week to overcome. Thank you for your grace that gives us another try. <laughs> you never give up on us. We're so thankful, Jesus. We're thankful that um, our victories are not what put us in right relationship with God, but your victory is what put us in right relationship with God. We thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you for that we're secure in you, Lord. Um, let this be a new day, a dawn, where we overcome more than we lose ground, Lord. Help us this week when the testing comes. Amen.